Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning online. Folks that are joining us online, yesterday we, uh, we went and we dropped off hot cocoa to the people that, we, uh, that, that are online that we know of. And so some of them are watching. We're excited to have them. Hopefully you're enjoying your cocoa. We're, we're actually not in our pajamas here, but hopefully you're in your pajamas because that would be good. Uh, but we're, we're thankful that you're here, whether you're online or whether you're here in person. As Cherie said, and I want to just maybe, maybe say it one more time, this week is such a great opportunity, whether you're inviting somebody to join online or whether you're inviting them to come and join in person Uh, We say this a lot around here. It takes about 30 seconds of courage to invite somebody, and that 30 seconds of courage has the potential to change someone's eternity. And so I want to encourage you on on your way out, pick up some invite cards, pick up a yard sign, pick up uh, some door hangers. Usually at this time of year, we, we put door hangers all around our city, but because of COVID, we thought we'd probably freak people out if we were dropping things on their door. Uh, so, but, but I encourage you to pick up four or five and just do your neighbors, the people that know you, that know you don't have COVID, and, and put those on their door and invite them. Just a great opportunity to just say, hey, join us online at five or, or jump into an in-person service and uh, it's going to be a good time together. Also, just to let you guys know, on the 26th, which is, or the 27th, which is the following Sunday, uh, if you show up to church, you'll get to play the drums, you'll get to preach, you can do whatever you, you can be on the setup team, because that day no one's going to be here, that's going to be a Sabbath Sunday, where we give all of our bridge builders uh, some time off where they can spend with their family. And so we're going to take a Sabbath Sunday. And then the following Sunday, we're going to have an online communion service. And so you'll be able to watch that on Facebook. You'll be able to watch that on YouTube. It'll be on our website. You'll need to get some grape juice and some crackers before then. Uh, But we're going to do that to kind of start our year. And then we're going to be back live in person at 10 o'clock. Uh, new service time uh, on the 10th. And so keep that in mind because, again, somebody's going to show up on the 3rd and somebody's probably going to show up on the 27th and they're going to be like, what is, man, nobody's coming to church today. What's going on? Uh, and so just we'll remind you on Christmas Eve. We'll put a lot of that out on social media to remind you. But that's kind of the schedule going forward. Uh, just like probably you, uh, whether you're watching online or you're here with us this morning, Uh, All of us have probably over the last few weeks, and if you're a procrastinator, maybe in the last few hours, maybe while you're here at church, you're on Amazon or you've been to Target or you've been to different places uh, because you've been shopping. And you're, you're shopping for the, the you know, company party, you got to get a funny gift for that, and then you got the, the family stuff, and then your, your immediate family, and so you've been, you've been going to stores and online, and you've been shopping, and, and there's nothing worse, and maybe you've experienced this, hopefully not this year, but it would fit this year, uh, 
when you go to the store and you go to the store and you know exactly what you're going to the store for, and then you get to the store and you get distracted and you buy four or five other things and then you get all the way back home and you realize the very thing you went to the store to buy you forgot to get. Has that ever happened? I'm sure it has. I know it's happened to me where you're like, oh, that's what I, I knew I was forgetting something. And it was actually the thing I went for. Or, Or maybe you've experienced something like this where you have, there's been an opportunity that, that has come along that you didn't recognize until it was too late. And after the fact, you, you realize, oh, I missed a huge opportunity that I didn't even know was available until after the fact. And oh, how I wish. Maybe it was you in high school and you were like, man, I didn't even know that girl would go out on a date with me. I thought, I thought she hated me. If I would have known, I would have asked her. Or maybe it was a job that you're like, man, I don't even, I don't have a shot at that job. I'm, so I'm not even going to apply. But then after the fact, you find out, man, if I would have applied for that job, I might have gotten it. There was a good chance I didn't know it. Or maybe it was an investment where you said you you missed an opportunity to invest in something. And then after the fact, you found out, oh, I wish I would have invested in that. Think about this. There's somebody and probably a lot of somebodies that were sitting in their home one day and they were thinking there's this new company called Apple. And I got this money, I got this money in the bank, and you know, I'm thinking about some different investments, and now I'm going to pass on that one. And I I read an article just this past week, it was an article from 2019, and this is ridiculous, and there's a lot of people that regret not investing. If you would have invested $100 in Apple when they went public, that, as of the 2019 article that I read, would today be worth $67,564. So that, that was, a, 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 and again, there was somebody sitting at their home saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to pass on that one. And they're probably, they're, they don't probably make that in a year, what they could have made with $100 off of that. But whether it's an investment, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, hey, I went to the store and I forgot, we've, we've all missed opportunities and none of us like to look back and think, oh, I totally missed that one. But as sad as it is to miss an opportunity like investing in Apple or uh, miss an opportunity to go on a date with the person you wanted to go out on a date with, but you, for, you didn't ask because you didn't think you had a chance, as bad as that would be, it would be much worse to miss something that had ramifications on eternity, which is tragically exactly what happened the very first Christmas. In fact, some of the people that should have been most focused and honestly knew the most about the birth of Jesus, they they knew more theology than everybody else, they knew more history, they knew more prophecy than anybody else. Some of the people that knew the most about the birth of Jesus actually missed the birth of Jesus. And others who were in that society pretty insignificant, others who didn't know all the theology, others who had not read any prophecy, they were the ones that embraced Jesus because they recognized him for who he was. Whether you're a person of faith, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, or maybe you're kind of skeptical about the whole Christmas story thing, we we can all agree on this statement. It's hard to embrace Jesus 
if I don't recognize him. It's hard to embrace someone that I don't even know what they look like. I don't, I don't recognize who they are. And, and unfortunately, there was a lot of people that did not recognize Jesus for who he was. And so they missed him when he was born because he didn't fit in their box of what they thought a king should look like, what they thought a Messiah should look like. And so when Jesus came to earth, the person they had been waiting for for years, they missed and he was right in front of them. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a a doctor named Luke's account of Jesus' birth and his life. And in, in Luke's account, he, he de- it's a very detailed account because he's a doctor. And so doctors are detail-oriented people. And so, man, Luke puts a lot of detail into his account. And in his account, over the last few weeks, we've seen Jesus' birth and his life. And, and one of the things that he details out and really describes for us is the unlikely events that no one would have ever expected that ushered in the birth of God's son. Luke details out some of the crazy, you could never write it in a book, no one would ever believe you, events that occurred that were actually part of bringing in God's son into the world. And in Luke chapter 2, it's in the app, or you'll see it up on the screen, it says this. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, he says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Caesar Augustus, if you know anything about Roman history, uh, he was the nephew of Julius Caesar. Uh, he was, his, his actual name was Octavius, and he kind of took over the empire when he defeated his kind of arch enemy, Antony, and he reigned as emperor for about 41 years. And in 27 BC, he was given this title of Augustus, which actually was the beginning of back then what they would kind of almost worship their emperor. And this was kind of the beginning. When he was given this title Augustus, it brought with it some almost godlike worship for the emperor. And so this guy is, is extremely powerful. He is in charge of the Roman Empire. And during his reign, the Roman Empire prospered. During his reign, there was mainly peace for the Roman Empire. I mean, this guy was was somebody pretty big and influential in history. And in the midst of his reigning, one of the things he did, and Luke, he kind of details it out for us, is he made a decree that every single person in the Roman Empire had to be registered or counted. And they had to be counted for one purpose, taxation. And so you can imagine how thrilled you would be. You think, man, God came to earth in the middle of like government overreach and all this. Like, man, this sounds very familiar to like today. But, but this is exactly what was happening. This, this kind of guy that was in charge said, hey, you have to go back to your home area And you have to be registered, you have to be counted, because we want to take your money. And we have to know you exist so we can take your money. And so, as you can imagine, this made people really happy. And it says this in verse 2. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing, governing Syria. 
So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. So just, just put yourself, I mean, put yourself in this scenario. If you're watching online or you're here, so you're going about your business, like you have a family business, you are a part of, you're in education, you're working, and then all of a sudden, the guy that's in charge of the empire says, hey, you got to stop what you're doing, and you have to go back to your hometown with your family, and you have to be registered. So just, I don't care, just, just do what I say. It, very inconvenient. It's not like you can get on a plane. Like these are, like you walk to this place, or maybe you ride on a horse, but it's pretty super inconvenient. It costs a lot. And it really was just a big reminder that, hey, we're being oppressed by the Romans because we can't do anything about it, and we have to go do what this emperor says. And so that's kind of some of the events around the birth of Jesus. And it says this in verse 4. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. Joseph was a descendant of King David, and because David was, was from Bethlehem, now Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem to be counted, to be registered, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So Joseph, he and Mary, they you know, kind of decide, all right, it's time. And at this point, Mary is days away from having a baby. So when you're days, you're not even allowed to travel when you're that, you're that far. You can't get on a plane. Like they, they don't want you on a plane when you're like eight and a half months pregnant. And so Mary is, she is literally days away from having this baby. And, and Joseph comes and says, all right, baby, it's, it's time to go. And so if it was today, 2020, they they jump in the car, they they pull up their you know if they had Apple or Android they pull up their their GPS and 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 you can put the map up and they'd say okay man so here's Nazareth and 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 if you read the scriptures it says go up to to Bethlehem it seems like, well that's actually down but what what the writer was saying is you had to go up mountains so they're going to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem and so Joseph had to decide hey. It's going to take us about two hours. Do we want to pay tolls? Because there's a couple ways that are a little faster that we'd have to pay a toll. But then we got this, this one over here. It takes a little longer, but we're not going to have to pay a toll. And so they would have decided. And, and you know, a couple hours later, they're, they're in Bethlehem. But you and I know that Mary and Joseph didn't have a vehicle. And so instead of that, what they had to do is they had to either walk and maybe there was like a donkey involved that they rode on a little bit. And so they would have had to pull up. You can put the next map up. They would have had to pull out the GPS and say, okay, there's, there's really one way to get there and we're going to have to walk or maybe, maybe we've got this little donkey that Mary can ride on a little bit. And, and this is about 91 miles. It goes up about two to 3,000 feet in elevation and it's going to take us, if we walk without stopping, it's going to take us about 34 hours. And so, yeah, let's, let's get going. So this is, this is a pretty big deal. So, I mean, you ladies that have been pregnant, you're, you're talking about walking for about 8 to 10 days uphill with your, you're not even married to this cat yet, you're, you're still engaged to him. And you're going so that all you're doing all this so you can give your money away. 
And so that's where they find this. Sometimes we like, we Disney-ish the Christmas story, but man, this is not Disney, it just stinks. This is not going to be fun. This is probably going to be a little frustrating to walk eight to ten days uphill 90-some miles with a lady that's about nine months pregnant. She's days away from having a baby. And so they, they do. Instead of driving, they, they, they walk or they maybe have a donkey. And, and in the midst of what was at times probably a little bit frustrating and, and very difficult, God's plan that he talked about hundreds of years later was happening. 700 years before Mary and Joseph took their first step on that 8 to 10 day journey, Micah said this in Micah 5.2. It'll be up on the screen. Bethlehem, Yephrathah, I don't even know how to say that word. You are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. 700 years before Mary and Joseph took that first step, Micah wrote down that one day there's going to be a king. There's going to be someone very important that's going to be born in this little kind of unknown city at this point. It's not not a big city. David was from there, but it's not like thousands and thousands of people. But this baby's going to be born there. And here's what's really cool. God was using the decree of an ungodly, greedy ruler as part of his plan to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem because that's where Jesus was supposed to be born. And so as they were on this eight to ten day journey, and as, man, they were probably frustrated and, man, wish they could get there faster, all along, all this was happening all over the Roman Empire. People were going to their hometowns. And all along, what was playing out was exactly what God had said would play out 700 years before this actually happened. And once they arrived to Bethlehem, it wasn't long. Like I said, because Mary was, I mean, she was, one, one version says, great with child. I mean, she was ready to have this baby. And so that's what happened. It says this in verse 6. While they were there, when they, when they got to Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. It says this in verse 7. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger or a feeding trough. It was an animal feeding trough because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus was most likely born in either a stable or a cave where animals were kept. And when it was time for him to to lay down, there was no bed for him. There was no soft covers for him. It was a feeding trough. It, It may have been wooden. It may have been made of stone. But it was where the animals went and put their faces in and to eat. And they laid Jesus in this manger. Over the years, and I mentioned this earlier, over the years, we've commercialized Christmas to the point where Jesus' birth seems like a scene from a Disney movie where animals sing and beautiful flowers bloom. But if you were there 2,000 years ago, if you were in the cave or in the stable with them that night, you'd probably have a different opinion than you do now of what that night was like. 
See, see you, here's what you would have seen. You would have seen a dirty, poor, at this point, homeless family amongst dirty, smelly animals having a baby. No medicine, no disinfectant, no fresh linens, no epidural, just you and the dirty animals, and you're just two parents that are nervous, that are tired, and you have a baby boy. And here's what's cool, and this is what I think Dr. Luke wanted to make us really aware of. As he writes this, because he wrote it very detailed, even more detailed than the other gospel writers. And from the beginning of Luke's writings, here's one of the things that you see. You see that he makes very clear that this Messiah, this King Jesus, will surprise you. He makes very clear that he is different than what you were expecting in a king. This, this Jesus, he's coming in a way that you wouldn't have expected. He's being born in a place that you would have never expected. In a time that you would have never, you could have never put this together. This king, this Jesus is different than what you expected. And he's going to surprise you. He's surprising you how he's being born, but he's going to surprise you throughout his whole existence on earth. And, and not much has changed since the, the night of Jesus' birth. From the time of his birth to the time of his death, and even today, Jesus has never stopped surprising people. He, he spent time with outcasts, which surprised people. He spent time with people that you weren't supposed to spend time with because it would ruin your reputation. He surprised people by who he spent time with. He, he surprised people by the, that he loved people that society deemed unlovable and dirty. People that, that were pushed to the side, pushed because of their health or because of their, the, the economy, kind of where they were from. These people were pushed to the side, and Jesus loved them when no one else did. He surprised people. He surprised people by how he stood up against the religious leaders of the day, the people that were so respected for religion and for, for what was going on in that society that, man, whatever they said you just did, Jesus stood up against them, and that surprised people. It surprised people that Jesus served as a humble servant and not as a proud ruler, people didn't get it. Like if you're coming as king and you're going to have a kingdom, then you're coming and you're serving people. And that's not what kings do. That's what slaves do. And, and you're not a slave. He surprised people. He surprised people that the night that he gave his life for people that were mocking him and the actual people that were killing him, he gave his life for that surprised people. See, Jesus was not what people expected. And as a result, many people walked away because Jesus didn't come the way people thought a king was going to come because he didn't act like a king was supposed to act. People missed him. And they walked away from him because he didn't fit in their king box, their Messiah box, what they thought he was supposed to be like. And so they missed him. Yet others who were very insignificant in society recognized Jesus for who he was. 
And Luke, after he talks about the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, he introduces us to two of those people. Two of those people that you would never have heard about if it wasn't for this incident. In fact, they're not written about in the Bible except for in this place. Two people that weren't powerful, two people that didn't have a lot of money, two people that weren't movers and shakers in society, but yet they didn't miss Jesus. They recognized him for who he was and they embraced him while all around them, people that were powerful, people that were wealthy, people that thought they knew what Jesus was supposed to be like actually walked away from him and walked right by him and didn't even realize this is what they had been waiting for. Their names were Simeon and Anna. It says this in verse 25. They're both older people who had waited a long time to see Jesus. It says this in verse 25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is the only time you'll hear about him in the scriptures. This man was righteous and devout. He was looking forward to Israel's consolation. This man was an older man. He was righteous. He was devout. And he was waiting for, he knew there was hope coming. He knew there was somebody coming that was going to redeem Israel. And he waited with anticipation for that person. He was looking for that person. And it says this, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so this older man, I don't know if every single day he just kind of went through the same thing, but almost just he was looking. As God told him, you're an old guy, but you are not going to die until you see the one you've been waiting for, till you see the Messiah, till you see my son. And so he looked, he was looking. It says this in verse 27, guided by the spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, now master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. Basically, God, you can take me now. I've seen the Messiah. And it says this in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And here's what he was saying here. This is so important. We live in a day where Racism is rampant. We live in a day where people put themselves in groups and you, if you're part of this group, you, you don't like this group and there's just all kind of this stuff going on. And here's what Simeon knew. He said, you know what? This baby that I'm holding, he, he's going to bring salvation. He's going to bring light to the Gentiles and to Israel. This is going to be someone who's going to break down racial lines, economic lines, this light that he's bringing to the world, this salvation he's bringing to the world. It's not going to be just for one group of people, but, but this, this baby is going to heal relationships. This baby is going to bring hope to everyone. He realized that as an older man right before he was going to die. That Because in this day and age, Gentiles and Jews, this was not like they didn't send each other Christmas cards. This was, they, there was a lot of racial tension. But yet he knew that this baby, this baby was going to be the one to heal. 
He was going to bring hope to all groups. And then it goes on in verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. This is an older lady. She did not leave the, leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And it says this in verse 38, at that very moment, so, so Simeon's holding this baby. He's been waiting his whole life for this. And this older lady who literally doesn't even leave the temple, she just serves people, loves God. It says at this very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So this lady was so overwhelmed with seeing Jesus that she, all she could do was just go tell everyone. Like, I, I just have to tell, like, this is the one we've been waiting for. I mean, this older lady just pulling on you a little bit, like, hey, did you, did you get a chance to see Jesus? This is the one, remember Micah 700 years ago? This is the one. And what's interesting is powerful people miss Jesus. Wealthy people miss Jesus. Busy people miss Jesus. Yet two people who were unimportant in society saw Jesus for who he was and embraced him. Which leads us back to the statement that we started with. It's hard to embrace Jesus if I don't recognize him. It's hard to embrace Jesus if I don't recognize him. And so there's, it leads us to a, just a real straightforward question. Here's a straightforward question. Do you recognize Jesus? Do you recognize Jesus? See, we in our society can be really good at creating versions of Jesus that are very unlike the Jesus Luke was writing about. In fact, if we're not careful, what we actually do is we create a Jesus that fits our lifestyle and in some cases allows us to live in a way that actually breaks the heart of who Jesus really is. And we're good at it. Religious people are good at it. I mean, like, it's not just a, not, I mean, religious people are some of the best at it. That, that we, we can create a Jesus that, man, we kind of bring along with us, and he fits our lifestyle, and he likes what we like, and, and he's okay with us doing kind of our little things on the side that, that really aren't things that the Bible would say is good, but our version of Jesus allows us to do that. And, and we're, we're good at that. So the question is, do you recognize the real Jesus? Do you recognize the Jesus that, that Luke was talking about, the, the Jesus that is holy, that's righteous, that's loving, that's humble, that's the Son of God, who was born in a barn, he lived a sinless life, and at the age of 33, he gave his life not for his own sin, but for the sin of the world, and he desperately wants a relationship with us. Do you recognize that, Jesus? That's, a, that's something we, you need to think about and something I need to think about, which leads us to maybe the next obvious question. If you recognize him, have you embraced him? Like, do you even recognize him? Like, did the Jesus that Luke's talking about, the Jesus I just described, is that even the Jesus that you say you follow? 
or the Jesus that maybe you're thinking about following? Is that the Jesus? And if you recognize him, have you embraced him? Because he came to earth, not because he didn't have anything to do, but he came to earth to seek and to save the lost. He came to earth to heal the relationship between God and man. He came to earth to give you and I life and life more abundantly. He came so that you and I would spend eternity with him instead of in a place called hell. That's why he came. He didn't come because, man, we just heaven's just not that great of a deal, so I'm going to leave and come to earth. He came on purpose for a reason. And so do you recognize that Jesus and have you embraced him? Have you admitted to God that that you have sinned? Have you believed that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave? And have you started a relationship with him? Have you embraced him? So important to think about. Because, and here's something you got got to think about. And I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I just got to tell you the truth. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, if your version of Jesus doesn't transform you, you're not following the Jesus of the Bible. So if you can follow Jesus and still live in a way that is contrary to his word, that's not the Jesus that Luke's talking about. It might make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. It might allow you to do kind of what you want. But one minute after you die, you're going to realize you were following the wrong Jesus and it's going to be too late. Because the Jesus of the Bible says, yes, I'm holy. I'm righteous. I want to transform you from the inside out. I want to give you life more abundantly than you could ever imagine. And I want to give you a home in heaven forever. But we are very good at creating other versions of him that promise those things but will never come through. And as a result, we never experience life abundantly. As a result, we're separated from God for all eternity. And what a tragedy. I mean, how tragic would this be if one minute into eternity you realized you missed Jesus when he was right in front of you. There were people 2,000 years ago that walked right by Simeon and Anna as they were holding Jesus that missed him. And because of that, they're in a Christless eternity today. So as you you think about your own life, I want to ask you again, I want you to think about it. Do you recognize Jesus? And have you embraced him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we we close out this morning, maybe you're here and with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and and in your heart you know that, man, I've, I've missed Jesus. If I'm honest, I've missed Jesus. If I was to die today, I would die without a relationship with him because, man, maybe I know a lot about Jesus. Maybe I've been around a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus. Maybe I've had versions of Jesus that I've kind of grabbed onto, but the Jesus of the Bible that transforms, I don't have a relationship with that Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're online or you're here this morning, 
If that's you, and if you're ready to embrace Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. Would you just in the quietness of your heart, would you be willing to just admit to God that you've sinned? Would you admit to God that, man, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've disobeyed you. Would you admit that to him? Would you be willing, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, to believe in your heart that when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you? And then would you just come to him, believing that he died and rose again for you, and just come to him and say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're online or if you're here this morning, if, if that's you and you would say, Chris, today I, I believe that and today I want to embrace Jesus. I want to start a relationship with him. I'm going to say a simple prayer. And whether you're online or you're here this morning, you can just word this prayer to God in your heart. What it takes? No. You say, Chris, does this prayer save me? Does this prayer start? Is this what it takes? No. Prayer is just a way that we show God what we believe in our heart. And so in the quietness of this room or in the quietness of your living room as you're watching online, would you just in your heart say this to God? Say, dear God, I admit to you I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. Just tell him. Tell him, God, I, I believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. Then just invite him. Say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you today. Save me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you would say, Chris, this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Nobody's looking around. But if you're here this morning and you, you prayed and asked Jesus to save you, would you just slip up your hand real quick? Just slip up your hand. Say today. Anybody else? If you're watching online, you can just put an emoji hand in the comments. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, I'm a follower of Christ. I've, I've made that decision before. And for you this morning is just a reminder. And it's really a reminder to be so grateful to God for the day when you recognized who Jesus really was. And we never want to take for granted the grace that God showed by even making Jesus real to us. So would you just thank him? Maybe just in the quietness of your heart, would you just thank God for the day that you saw Jesus and embraced him? And as you seek to see him clearer, I want to encourage you to spend time in his word on a regular basis. Because as you get to know him more, you will be better able to reflect him to our world and less people will miss Jesus if we reflect him. This morning, if you've made a decision, maybe you made a decision to trust Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you made a decision to re-engage in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have a prayer request. Would you just use that card that's right in front of you? If you're watching online, you can use the card that's online. And just let us know the decision that you made. 
And if you're here with us this morning, you can just drop that card in the offering basket and we won't bug you, but we'll send you an email just to try to help you along with your decision for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for, for being real to us. Lord, I thank you for the day that my mom, in the quietness of my bedroom, as she was putting me to bed, told me about you. And Lord, I am so thankful that you opened my eyes as a little kid to know you and embrace you. And Lord, I pray for my friends that are watching online and are here this morning. Lord, if there's anyone that's listening that hasn't embraced you, Lord, I pray that they would today. In Jesus' name, amen.